When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitchless Podcast Network, a podcast about relievers. I'm Callan, joined as always by Rick Graham and Jay Crumpler. Guys, we're a month into this season, and I don't know if there's anything we can say confident about bullpens right now. This can, Every week, it seems like we're going to a new team, changing hands. We're going to do a whole segment today on closer we're worried about, but we're a month in. We talked a few weeks ago about stats when they start to stabilize, and a lot of things are starting to stabilize. So we're going to dive into some closers who we're worried about, see if we should be continue to be worried, see if we need to jump ship, or if we need to, as a certain new New York Jet quarterback says, R-E-L-A-X. That's how you spell Relax. Good. Glad I can do that right now. But guys, we're month in season. How are we doing today? I'm doing well. It's, you know, you're... you're- pretty much nailed it with it's been kind of a chaotic and hectic week or i mean since our last podcast which was last monday it's been a lot a lot going on and you know this is about the time where you see some some guys who you thought were going to be you know nice pickups early on in the season or or might have some nice holds value and then you know two bad outings later it's kind of like you forget about them so this is kind of the make or break you know time seeing when if guys are going to stick or not so yeah it's fun times but um always always hectic definitely i uh i feel like all the guys i took victory laps on in the first week have all now lost their jobs or, or pitched poorly for the past month so it's not been uh super fun for me but you know it gives us a lot to discuss and, and that's always a good thing it could be worse you could be an oakland A's fan I oh, wait, 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 wait a second. <laughs> Whoops, <laughs> my bad. Yeah, it's not not a fun He's time to dead. be. Don't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you moved. You moved to a new house, so there's good, some good things going on for you right now, yes. Jake. Especially yes. in uh, we we're talking about the staff league and you being undefeated. So there's some things going good for you. So I can't yeah. really say the same about that league. That's been a disaster for me. But speaking of disasters, we're gonna start off with some news, and we'll start off the injuries. And let's play the sad music. This was a sad day and in the pen. Our boy Pete Fairbanks has been placed on the 15-day IL with right forearm inflammation. R.I.P. Just R.I.P. Just a moment of silence, everybody. Play the trumpets. Yep. It's been... It was When I saw, we saw the news, there was definitely a moment of silence in our, our group chat and all that good stuff. But um, it seems like it's going to be a minor injury. It sounds like he will likely miss close to the minimum amount of times it's unrelated to the issue he was having during the postseason last year so that's that's some real good news but you know so as we sit here now with tampa he's going to be missing about two weeks of the season who steps on in for saves we've been talking all season about is this jason adam just jump right in do other guys mix in what's your current read on how a tampa bay uh changes based on this news it looks like Adam, based on today and this past week, um, there hasn't really been, you know, we think about Tampa Bay in the past, mixing and matching and using pretty much anyone in save situations. But so far, it doesn't feel that way. It, it was really Fa- Fairbanks' role until he got hurt. And now it feels like Adam might be the guy. And given Fairbanks' injury history and, you know, everything he's dealing with, with the Raynaud syndrome and the forearm issue. It's, you know, it, it's definitely, definitely worth picking Adam up in any league where he's available at this point. Um, he struggled a little bit today, but he, he, I think he got three strikeouts, ended up closing out the game. So um, he hasn't been as good as he was last year, but he's still, still a good reliever who's worth picking up. 
Yeah, I love that the Rays are finally doing what we've been asking them to do for years. And of course, it was the year that we were all so pumped about Fairbanks. And then, of course, on top of that, he's just down for the count now. I'm sort of worried that this could be a precursor to Tommy John. Right forearm inflammation is usually that indicator for that. And I don't think Raynaud's syndrome makes me feel any better about that. I think, do you, do you guys remember how long Woodruff was out last year with that same issue? It was a while. I can't remember exactly how long yeah yeah so it's it's not great and at least the rays do have adam and like rick said definitely go grab him i had him preemptively like three weeks ago in i think it was tgfbi so i'm feeling pretty good about that but yeah the fact that the rays are going against their classic ways is pretty interesting especially for fantasy because it makes adam like a clear top 15 reliever right away because they for some reason have changed their minds about how they use their, their late back end of the bullpen relievers now. And with Adam jumping into the closers role, now that leads up to some relievers being the guys to get the ball to Adam. Let's face it. Tampa Bay Rays are record wisely best team in baseball right now. So guys who are getting holds in the saves plus holds league for them are going to be pretty viable. Who steps into that role? Who's going to be the, uh, you know, so is there anyone worth adding just for, you know, ratios and holds in Tampa or, See, that's I was going to mention as part of the why Adam is like the sole closer potentially is there's I, the rest of this bullpen is not good. Like, I, I don't really find anyone here interesting. Colin Poche, despite what his, you know, ERA might say, uh, he's been really bad this year. And he's just he's just a guy who throws a 92.5 mile per hour fastball. And that's it. Um you know, Kevin Kelly, Kev- Kelly might be the other interesting guy, but he doesn't exactly blow hitters away himself. He's, um, but he he might be the second my second favorite guy on this in this bullpen right now with all the injuries. So, you know, Garrett Clevenger is another guy we talked about earlier before mm-hmm. the season, but he hasn't pitched well either. So, he's been okay, but I, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's not the best bullpen, despite what the ERA might say. Yeah, it's weird how many low strikeout guys they have. I feel like I think of the Rays as like they're going to get guys that strike out a lot of guys and they can make up for the deficiencies elsewhere. So it's weird that like the majority of their bullpen is under 20% and a lot of it is under 15%. They did just acquire Javi Guerra. I'm sure we were going to touch on that. They they traded for him from the Brewers. He was really struggling over there, but that's a guy that averages 98 miles per hour with his fastball and We've talked about this offseason, how big of a part velocity can play in a reliever success. So that's got me sort of keeping an eye on him, especially because he used to be a Ray. He went to the Brewers. He struggled. Now he's back on the Rays and they'll do their thing of, of turning him into a, an elite arm. But I think with Fairbanks out there and the rest of that bullpen not being too enticing, that's a guy that could probably sneak up and becomes a, become a, a holds option. Yeah, so bottom line, Adam, Jason, Adam, anywhere he's available. Holds, guys, we're just monitoring at this point. Maybe Pavi Guerra or Clevenger, someone steps up and can be someone you add, but no one else you're rushing really out to get in Tampa Bay. Move out west, next guy on this list, Jose Quijada. He's just got, he's having left elbow surgery. He's going to be out for the season, placed on the 15-day IL. He's someone who's been really mixing into the saves for the Angels, and for a little while I was interested in adding him because of the amount of saves you can get. Well, that clears the door right open for Carlos Estevez to stay as the number one closer. Anything else we can really read into this angel situation or um, just Estevez and that's about it. Um, yeah, it's going to be Estevez, but also keep an eye. I mean, if they want to keep going with the lefty righty thing, Matt Moore's pitched really well so far for them. So I would imagine he he's at least going to be or should be their top setup man and potentially could work his way into some save situations against, you know, left-handed heavy lineups. But um, yeah, again, the rest of this bullpen after that, after those two, uh, they're still trying to figure some things out with, you know, Tapera and loop haven't been great. And, you know, Chris Davinsky's back. Good to see that he's got two, two, two games back, two holds already. So maybe they're just going to throw him, right into the holds mix because i mean what other options do they really have right now 
Yeah, I think as much of a change as this has on Estevez's value in making him like a big saves guy now, I think more becomes equally as valuable in holds leagues because he's been so successful and is now like the clear setup guy and is the lefty counterpart to Estevez's right-handedness. But yeah, it's been nice to see Estevez sort of bounce back from that super shaky spring as now he's striking out uh, 32% of batters, which is well above his career rate of 24%. So he's definitely looking much stronger and he's not like walking an exceptionally high amount of batters either. So he's looking like somewhat of a of an even improved pitcher, exactly what we wanted when he was leaving Coors. And that, that sort of bodes well for the Angels bullpen as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah. You know what? We'll say our early victory laps. We've kind of been having to jump back on them. I jumped right off the ship of Carlos Estevez, and I'm ready to jump back on and say I was right about Carlos Estevez. Even yeah, I, but he's there looking a lot Good more one. like what we want him to be. So it's nice to see. I didn't fully get rid of all my shares of him. Thank you, thank God, because I kind of need some saves in some leagues. So it's kind of worked out nicely. The final two injuries we'll just lump in together. It's two left-handers for a team's bullpen. Brandon Hughes is on the 15-day IL with left knee inflammation. And Brooks Rayleigh is going on the 15-day IL with left elbow information. It doesn't have as much for fantasy viability, but I'll ask you two quickly. Anything of note with these injuries? Is there anybody who's, you know, keep an eye out in those pens because of that or, you know, just kind of monitor at this point? Uh, Rayleigh's, I mean, that hurts. The, the Mets now don't have any lefties in that bullpen. And... It's really, you know, outside of Robertson, Ottavino, and Drew Smith, it's r- really thin there. Um, so, yeah, that's for a team that's struggling like the Mets right now. It's a bit of a concern. Um, Hughes is good. That's a bummer because it's the knee. It's, it's, it's the knee injury again. Um, hope he just gets that right. He was pitching really well when he came back, and I thought, you know, if everything going on in that closer role, he might work his way back into it, but yeah, it's, you know, I'm I don't know if we're going to get into that Cubs bullpen again, but I, I think uh, Michael Fulmer is still the guy there to, to roster, so that's a tease for later, but yeah, Hughes is a bummer to, to, be, to be missing some more time here. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, without Rayleigh, there's no lefties in the Mets bullpen. There's also no lefties in the Cubs bullpen now. So they seem like pretty similar bullpens in in that regard. But yeah, I think Rayleigh was actually not pitching super well, but he was getting a lot of holds. I think he was leading the National League when he got injured. So I think that pumps up the value of Smith a little as he should see more of those late inning options that Rayleigh was seeing. And then in Chicago, that bullpen, I don't know what's going on there. There's just so many options. Like there's young guys, there's underrated guys, there's the old guys. I I don't know which direction they're going to go right now. And they've had four losses from their bullpen across the past week. So it's, I I don't know if it's like a mismanagement thing, but they have a lot of talent there. I just have no idea what direction they're going to go in terms of saves. Yeah. Move over to some transactions. See if V's have any fancy viability. Again, nothing too uh, crazy. Some guys coming up and down or activated from the injured list. We'll start out in Oakland. The A's completely reworked their bullpen. Domingo Acevedo was activated from the 15-day IL and then DFA'd. And they also DFA'd Jerry Familia, optioned Adam Aller and Chad Smith to the minors, and selected Spencer Patton, Austin Pruitt, and Rico Garcia from the minor leagues. If you're looking to any of these guys for fantasy viability, good luck to you. That's all I'm really going to say. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Jake. Is there anything much more to add to, as the resident Oakland A's fan to any of these no. guys? What, yeah, okay, good. We'll move right <laughs> along. Then. It's a shame to see the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer get options to the minors, though. I'll say that. Yeah, that's, oh, I didn't uh, even see that. Yeah, I didn't think about that either. Nice, nice one. Nick would be proud of us, probably. But uh, Diego Castillo was actually, this is a Pretty crazy one. He got up into the minor leagues for Seattle Mariners. Uh, Javi Guerra traded from the Milwaukee Brewers to the Tampa Bay Rays for a player to be named later. Chris Martin activated from the 15-day IL for the Boston Red Sox, along with Ryan Tapera activated for the Los Angeles Angels, both dealing with right shoulder inflammation. Alex Vessia optioned in the minors for the Dodgers. That was a fun week where we thought he might work into the Dodgers' closer position. Same with Jeremiah Estrada, who also thought he might work into the Cubs thing closer situation he got option to minors and jake deekman was dfa'd not too much fancy viability but do any of these moves really stand out to you guys does it increase the value of anybody or is it just uh moving right along 
I think well, Mart- Martin should should step into a setup role for the Red Sox. So in holds leagues, he becomes a, he definitely becomes a a good holds league candidate. Um, but other other than that, I mean, it's kind of some big names or some interesting names at least option to the minors. You know, Fessia. I had a, I was really high on entering the year. Um, Estrada, obviously, there's a lot of hype around him. And Diego Castillo, I mean, that's just like who would have thought this like three three years ago, two years ago. Um, at what it's almost like I feel like the Rays need to go and like bring him back because a they could use help and b I mean if if anyone's going to turn around a reliever, it's probably the Rays. So uh, I wonder if they could get Diego Castillo straightened out and pitching well again. Yeah, he's like never had a bad year. I think he's just there's there's something wrong right now because he's not able to throw pitches for strikes. So that's that's been his big problem. But I think it's pretty interesting how willing teams are to not only DFA or option or remove from their major league teams veteran relievers that have shown the ability to be good for the last few years, but also the willingness to turn to young guys, young, unproven guys in the bullpen. I don't know if they're sort of playing off the unfamiliarity factor or what, but it's been pretty interesting to see how often teams are willing to just be like, nah, that guy's not good anymore. Let's just bring up some random dude that's pitching in AAA and he should be just as good. Yeah, it's crazy to see those names. Like you said, Diego Castillo being optioned is just something I didn't really have on my 2023 bingo card. Uh, Jeremiah Estrada, that was a fun, another one, fun week of uh, his fantasy football. I'm sure he'll be back. And with how the Cubs close positions and changing hands, I'm not fully counting him out to eventually take that Cubs job, but he just couldn't get it going there. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, no, I, I would agree Chris Martin's someone that you should keep an eye out because the Red Sox don't really have anyone else who's been getting the ball to Kenley Jansen while he's been, even while he's been battling his own uh, injury, but hasn't had any IELTS and he's been required to uh, to go through. Uh, so this is part of the show. We'll go into the three up, three down. We're going to skip the down this week because we have a whole segment about closers who we're worried about based on things, or should we be worried about these guys? So we'll skip that, but we'll go to three up and highlight some guys who are a little rising up at this point. So Rick, we'll start with you. Who's someone who's moved up in your ranks over the past week? Um, I definitely am feeling better about Alexis Diaz right now. Um, I know the Reds are going to be a hit or miss team, but even still, Diaz has been one of the better strikeout guys right now. He has a 55.3% K rate and the walk rate still under is under 8%, which is beautiful. Love to see that. Um, and he's, you know, Stuff Plus has never been a big fan of his, and I don't think PLV is either, but he's, he gets a ton of swings and misses with his stuff. And, um, you know, I just think there's no competition there either. So there's, you know, with every, you know, there's a lot of craziness going on, but I feel like Alexis Diaz is pretty much like, lo- he's the locked-in guy in Cincinnati and definitely worth a top 10 rank in my my opinion right now yeah definitely worth it he's quietly been doing so probably because he's on the reds and they're not too great and that keeps him from getting a lot of saves but it's somewhat it's somewhat nice to have a a reliever that you don't really think about which usually means that you're not worrying about him because rarely do you just have a reliever on your team doing really well and you're like wow i'm so glad but he's striking out 55 percent of batters that's crazy he's looking exactly like how he did last year and he's even more set in that closer role now so i'd feel pretty confident about him on my fantasy teams if i had him on any of my fantasy teams 100 percent, he's been really good i know like you said the red save opportunities are going to be sparse at best right now but he's been very good he's getting into ratios he'll, he'll get his fair share of saves and it's cincinnati there's zero zero competition so if you're in a good spot with him with all the uh, struggles from these guys. He's quickly moving up. I know you currently have him inside your top 10 and probably will stay there at this point so long as he remains a Cincinnati Red throughout the season. But Jake, we'll move it over to you, who's someone who you've gotten a more positive opinion about over the past week. Uh, I think it's Jose Alvarado. He's just solidified himself to me as probably the best reliever in baseball question mark i feel like there's a bit of a debate there because you have to consider track record but with the way he's going right now i 
there doesn't seem to be much argument. The biggest thing that held him back in previous years was always the control issues, which he always had trouble with until last year when he walked just 11% of batters. That was a, a massive improvement from his previous career. And at this point, he has yet to walk a single batter. He's got a 24 to 0 strikeout to walk rate, which is absolutely bonkers. 50% strikeout rate, zero walks. If he's a guy that now has plus plus command or control, maybe not even command, just control the ability to throw strikes, then I I don't know how anybody's going to touch him. Right now he's got a two ERA, but he's got a 0.36 XFIP, which <laughs> bodes so well for the future. He's already almost up to one F4. And even if he's not getting all the saves in Philadelphia, this is a guy that's going to have some of the best ratios in all of baseball with a ton of strikeouts. And it's crazy what kind of monster the Phillies have turned Alvarado into. Yeah, and he's, I mean, Kimbrell... For whatever reason, Kimber was getting the ninth inning the other day, and you know Max Muncy hit that grand slam off him. So doesn't help Kimbrel's you know shares there for uh, holding on to any sort of you know part of that closer committee. So it should be Alvarado moving forward. Uh, the other, I mean, it's crazy what he's doing too. He's got a three forty eight BABIP, and he's still you know point six eight WHIP, and you know just still hasn't he still hasn't walked anyone, which is just crazy when you think of jose alvarado not walking anyone a month into the season that just what we at what you know alternate universe are we in right now what that's happening a great one <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's one we can be very happy about we've been wondering who wondered before a season who the best reliever in that phillies pen is he's become far and away the, the clear guy and it's been a lot of fun to see i definitely didn't expect that we'd have a a philly inside the top 10 for your uh, closer ranks in the, in the first week of May of the season, but he's been far and away the best guy. And for me, my riser would be David Robertson. Yes, the Mets have not really been winning games lately, but when they have, David Robertson has been the clear guy they've gone to in the ninth. His last outing was the beginning of this month on May on Monday. He had a two-inning save where he struck out four. He's been great this season. 12 innings, he has 18 strikeouts just been un- untouchable he's just been playing pitching really well i know adam Avino has mixed in here and there but he seems to be the guy that buck showalter trusts as the you know the fireman sort of get the ball to david robertson and seeing robertson go for two innings the other day really cements him as okay he's got the his full faith with him and there's not too much more to, to add about that david robertson's been very good and i know none of us expect the mets to be a 500 team the rest of the way they'll get back to being the mets that we know they can be and that'll lead to a lot more save opportunities for david robertson so i'm definitely rising up on him over the past week i think he's over over his time starting to pull away as the uh, the lead guy for saves when we thought out of was going to mix in yeah and out of had again like kind of like kimbrell out of had a tough outing this week so anything kind of keeping those two close. I mean, Robertson has just been absolute nails. I, I, It's crazy, you know, just throwing 91, 92 mile per hour cutters and just being so dominant. But I guess, you know, that's kind of, you know, I'm not comparing him, but, you know, more Mariano Rivera at the end of his career is kind of just, you know, if you have a good cutter, man, it just, you know, you can, you can make it work. You hear that guys, David Robertson, no, the next Mariano no, no. Rivera. <laughs> he, he, hey, no, <laughs> Hey, he came up with Mo, so maybe he taught him exactly. Too, exactly. Yeah. Nah, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. So it's good for the Mets to get their guy, and nice to know that this committee is starting to clear itself away. But we'll take a break before we end. Move on over to the guys we're worried about. We're gonna have a little segments. A lot of a uh, lot of names that we're starting to have some question marks about. So we want to dive in a little deeper into the numbers. Really let people know whether we should be worried about those guys. So all that and more here on the In the Pen podcast. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. 
And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, let's jump into the guys who we are worried about. We've got a list about five or six guys who at this point, there's been some red flags and we want to really try and either calm some people's worries or let them know whether they need to jump ships. So we'll go through these guys one by one. We'll start with you, uh, Rick. Give me one guy who, you know, some red flags who you know, fantasy managers are starting to get some concern about and let us know what you think. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, for me, it's Emmanuel Classe, who I believe, at least as of a day ago, is tied for the league lead in saves. But it's still it's still concerning that, you know, out of the 30 closers on, my, on the list, he has the lowest strikeout rate, which is um, amazing. And it's the lowest by a good amount, too, at 13.8%. Um, that's, that's really, that's like a middling, like fifth starter. Like, I, I mean, there, it's crazy with his stuff that, that strikeout rates that low. Um, so, you know, that leads to his, his XFIP of 4.07 swinging strike rates below 10%. Um, and the velocity concerns were always that they've been there since the beginning of the season. Um, there's been some signs of him getting, you know, that fat, that velocity sneaking back up, but still it, it hasn't translated to any sort of, you know, swing and miss ability. And, you know, still for the season, he's down two miles per hour. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can regain anything, if he can start, you know, his slider has just not been the same. I think basically because the cutter uh, isn't a hundred miles per hour anymore. So working that slider off the cutter hasn't really, been as effective as it has been in the past so it's either he's either gonna have to maybe think of a different approach or i don't know it, it just hope that the, the, the velocity comes back because this could end up being a little bit dicey down the road if, if things stay the same um yeah yeah great good. points great points all around it's uh Definitely concerning that he's down a little bit on the velocity. I th- I don't think there's really any concern about his role until he really starts blowing up. But there was like a string of seven or eight appearances where he just didn't strike anybody out. And he's at like 13.8% right now, which he was never a big strikeout guy before, but he wasn't below average. He was like 26% in 2021 and 28% in 2022. So nothing mind blowing, but still like very solid in the strikeout department. And now to be one of the worst strikeout rate pitchers among closers is pretty bad. So definitely concerning. I I agree with your sentiments about his slider. The fast, the cutter is sort of getting the same results in terms of CSW while the slider is like bad. Now used to be, it was a 40% CSW pitch last year and now it's 23%. So it's definitely fallen off hard, but yeah, I've been, I've been really concerned about him too. I have him in my, in my home league and, well, he has been getting me a lot of points with the saves. I definitely am missing the strikeouts, and it's not a plan of attack that usually turns into future success. Yeah, I mean, a lot of red flags there. The XERA is up 0.6 points from his current ERA. FIP is at 3.79. XFIP at 4.10. Lowest CSW and swinging strike rate of his career. Lowest K percentage of his career at this point. Sure, regression might be coming, but... Yeah, I think there's a lot of a uh, lot of red flags out there for Manuel Class A. But so scale of one to ten, ten being you're jumping ship, you're trading him. One, it's a man, one, it's a Manuel Class A. You don't need to worry. Where would you kind of rank on in terms of how worried you'd be? I guess. Um, I'm not jumping ship or trying. Me, I, I, I maybe I would try to trade him if, but I'm not trading. I'm not selling low on him because mm-hmm. let's face it, wherever you drafted him it's you know it's kind of you have to ride or die with them at this point um unless again you can get some some really good value for him um but yeah it's 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 not looking great i i feel i hope i'm hopeful he'll change, turn things around i mean stuff plus still like 146 is you know right up there with the best relievers in the game 
Um, but yeah, that strikeout rate is just like, I mean, it's one out of qualified relievers. It's 195th out of 207. He's down there with Ty Block, Ryan Yarbrough. Um, Some of the best relievers <laughs> in baseball. Devin Smeltzer. I mean, yeah, Adam Simber. It's 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 bad. So Jury's Familia has a higher K rate than him. That's all you really need to know there. So worry about about me on Class A, but you know if you're gonna sell him, still sell high on the name brand. But it's still a guy who has the job locked down. So Jake, we'll move over to you. Who's the next guy you want to bring up as someone who's a uh, raise some red flags for you and that you're getting concerned about about a month in the season? Uh, we'll go back to old faithful Daniel Bard. Um, <laughs> been concerned about him all year in the off season. And now he's returned from the IL stint that he had while he was dealing with anxiety and he hasn't pitched poorly since he returned, but he hasn't gotten any save. So I think that's a, uh, it's sort of a, a big tell of sort of how they want to deploy him right now. I think part of that is because they don't want to put him into too high pressure situations until he really fully regains that confidence, which is, probably a good idea but also he's not pitched too well while he does have a perfect zero era with three eggs there he's got a 5.88 x vip and an 871 x era so it's likely to turn around because he's not striking anybody out at all he's got a 14 percent strikeout rate so all of the concerns i had about him pitching in cores at his age with the skills possibly declining at his age in cores and now he's got the question marks about if he's going to be getting the saves or not. I think anybody that's still holding on him, holding on to him, hoping that eventually he does regain the closer role. I feel like that's a bad idea because right now you might be banking some zeros in the ERA department, but you're not getting any strikeouts. The whip is about to start biting him in the behind. And I think Pierce Johnson is just going to hold on to this role for the entire year, which is pretty crazy to think about. Not not something that I thought. But yeah, right now he's got 100% left on base rate. Pretty pretty nice there. 0% home run to fly ball. About as lucky as you can get. Yeah, I mean, talking about... Yeah. First of all, that XFIP, that 5.8 XFIP is uh, worst among all the closers that were on the list this week. Um, and then, yeah... As far as swing and misses go, I mean, he was second on second to last on the list with from K percentage at fourteen point three, and his four point eight percent, you know, K to walk rate is just far and away the worst of all closers. And there's, you know, there's four closers right now that have a K to walk rate under ten percent, and it's Daniel Bard, Emmanuel Classe, Brad Boxberger, and Kyle Finnegan. So, outside of Classe, obviously being kind of the outlier there, that's not a great group. Um, not a group you want to be in. Velocity still down three miles per hour. It it's um and yeah, they're they're keeping him away from the closer situations, so the save situations. So I think this is a full it, unless you're in a really deep play. If you're me, I don't even know in sixteen teamers if this is if it's worth rostering Bard still. Uh, NL only, you probably probably hold on for a, lo- a little while longer. But I mean, outside of that, it's it's I think I'm out completely here. It has not been pretty. I mean, we all thought that he would come in and at least take the job and I wouldn't say run with it, but be the guy because there isn't too much there in Colorado, but he has not gone off to a great start. Everything you say there, I would completely be on board there. I'll probably still stash him because it is a guy who who can rely on for saves when he does get the job. And I I think I'm not going to trust that Pierce Johnson is going to keep this up and maintain the job, but it's not it's not looking that great for it right now. So I'll stash him in deeper leagues, but if 10, 12 team leagues. Yeah. You're perfectly good to cut him. Let's move on and go pick up another flavor a week, like a, a, an Adam or a, you know, someone else we may mention down the road. So I guess that sort of transitions into my sort of a guy I'm worried about. I'll, I'll be the Homer and pick the New York Yankee. And maybe you guys can call my fears, but I'm fully getting out on Clay Holmes. Uh, just watching him these past few outings, especially his Cleveland series, he appeared in two games and they're tie games and he blew them both. Now, on 
Wednesday was kind of some dink and dunks, one blooper. It kind of Isaiah kind of Falefa maybe could have caught if he was a natural left fielder. There was a bloop that kind of Falefa and Beta ran into each other. So I'm not sure I fully can blame him on that. But the other day was just a, a mess. He also has the slowest lowest swinging strike rate of his career since 2019, since he became a New York Yankee. Lowest CSW since his 2018 rookie year. He only pitched in 11 games. Things are not looking good, and you're starting to see them pull it. I mean, let's face it, on Wednesday, instead of when he blew a save and only threw six pitches, they went right to Albert Abreu in the 10th inning against kind of a meter, meteor part of this Cleveland's order. So even Aaron Boone's starting to lose faith and we're seeing the reports that the Yankees are starting to stretch Michael King out more to where he can pitch a more uh, short rests and short spurts that might set him up to be the replacement. But if you have Clay Holmes, I think it's time to fully jump ship outside of obviously deep leagues. I think he can still hold it. But same thing with Daniel Bard. If you have him in a 10, 12 team league, I'm, I'm ready to jump ship on Clay Holmes. I'm ready to drop him. Am I crazy to, to be saying that or you guys on board with that? Um. Yeah, I, I, it might be time. It's frustrating because I thought there would still be some sort of bounce back here from him. I mean, the slider's still getting whiffs, but him, I, it's just, yeah, his strikeout ability is just like just been non-existent since the second half of last year. He's still getting ground balls at a good rate. If, if you want to look at a positive, but the problem is that. He's allowing hard contact, so it's a lot of hard contact on those. And now, you know, take into account that we can't shift guys, so those ground balls are starting to see, you know, the outfield more. And um, yeah, it, it's Michael King's just been so much better this year, and it it's it hurts the Yankees because you you take King away from like a role that he really was great in, and that kind of multi inning um, fireman role. But I think you have to. You know, I think you have to start looking at King as as the closer there, and that bullpen is what I thought was going to potentially be a strength to start the season is starting to become very sketchy. With especially you know Trevino out for the year, We're not sure when Conley or Loisaga are going to be back. So they, um, you know, Jimmy Cardero's been a pretty nice addition kind of out of nowhere uh, outside of that it's it's you know they might have to go look for outside help yeah flashbacks to last year of every single person in that bullpen getting injured but yeah i was going to say the same thing about the the shift and him being such a ground ball reliant pitcher that it's likely starting to bite him a little bit more than it did in the past also he's it's not like he's allowing more hard contact than he did in previous years he was like a 28% last year and he's 27% this year. So it's it's basically the same. His BABIP is way up, but that's likely a, it's going to come down a little, but it's likely a product of all those ground balls. And he's not really the ground ball standout that he used to be. Like he used to be just the singular outlier that was like, how is he getting that many ground balls? It's like a historic like rate. 80%, and now, yeah, 80% yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah. So it was like historic rates of ground balls. And now he's like, 65, still really good. Though. Yeah, he's still really good, but he's not anything crazy. He's in the 88th percentile. So it's like still very good, but it's not like, oh my gosh, who do you think of when you think of ground balls? Clay Holmes is the first name to come up. And yeah, I mean, uh, he's turning to his slider more, which is interesting. Hopefully, I, I think that's probably because he's trying to get more swinging strikes, but that pitch isn't like a huge sw- swinging strike pitch. So mm. I don't know. I think if I had him in one of my leagues, I would probably be holding on for a little bit longer just because it's so hard to find saves on the wire. Um, but yeah, it's definitely getting to that point where I'm starting to consider, dang, like I really wasted a pick on this guy. It might be time to to cut bait before, before things get worse. I, I think a good question is if you have Michael King on the, on the wire and you have to drop Holmes to pick him up. Do you do that? I think, I think someone said that in our discord today and it like kind of, I had to think about it because it's, 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 I would, it's a tough one to me because we've seen what Holmes can do. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to just fully turn the thing over to King, but I, I think I would go King over Holmes right now. I think I would too. It just sounds Same. like it's how Boone's going. We saw him last year do it with Feraldis Chapman. For one thing, with Aaron Boone, it does take him a little bit to make the change. But when it's so many consecutive uh, 
poor outings like it seems to have been with Clay Holmes and now all the rumors about how, how we're going to be using King moving forward, it might it's probably time. And so if Michael King's out there in your leagues, I would put him right up there with uh, how we were talking about Jason Adam. I would, I would rank Adam, Adam ahead of him. But if you can stash Michael King at this point, I think he's very close to a must-add, if not a must-add completely at this point. So we'll go back to you, Rick. Uh, we have about two or three more guys we want to bring up. Who's another guy who's uh, who's got you concerned at this point in the season? Um, this is a little bit more. I mean, I'm concerned, but not totally worried. And that's Kenley Jansen, just because I worried about age and his health history and just you know everything kind of catching up to him at this point, and he's battling and just labor you know I, I was at the red Sox game on saturday and just watching him in between pitches laboring and just like you, you could tell you know he's just he just looked like a, a boxer who went like you know nine rounds it's like <laughs> um this shouldn't be happening in april or in may so uh i'm you know little concerned there it's not that he hasn't pitched well he's been fine it's nice to see the walk rate down for him um and that's not like the, I mean, the Red Sox are going to keep rolling as long as he's healthy and able to pitch. They're going to keep rolling him out there because that's what they've paid him to do. And they don't have many, you know, alternatives right now. So, you know, strikeout rate's still there. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I would be expecting, I think there's going to be some bumps and I think it's going to be kind of a, a messy, it's going to be a, fr- it could be a frustrating season with, you know, him being missing like like he's missed almost you know six six days so far five days this week um you know i think we're gonna see a lot of that kind of this year with them trying to manage his his innings at his age and with his health concerns yeah i think it's a i don't i wouldn't have too much more to add about that if you are concerned if the injury i know he's made his way back but it's still something he's battling if it becomes more of an issue is there someone in boston you'd like as the quote-unquote next man up or um is there you'd see more at this point man i mean they have like a a group of pretty you know of decent relievers that i i don't love any one of them in in the closer role is schreiber hasn't been as good this year um you know, Chris Martin, now that he's back, maybe. But again, you're talking about another guy who's in his late 30s with, you know, just coming off an injury. Um, Man, it's really like Josh Winkowski's been, they've been relying on him, but he's like, I, I think I put this in the hold up today. He's basically, he's like the Toby of like relievers where it's just like everything is, doesn't do anything bad, doesn't do anything great. It's just, you know, steady okayness and nothing really worth chasing in my opinion so i think it's you know it's jansen or you know nothing else here if you have i mean i wouldn't drop jansen i would just maybe if someone in your league is desperate for saves and thinks that jansen's the answer maybe maybe it's time to shop him um around a little bit but i i don't i'm not saying he's gonna break down i just feel like there's a little bit of concern for, you know, kind of where where things are going with him right now. Yeah. The concern level's low, but it's like bubbling right now. Like you, you could you could see how it how yeah. it could go bad. And I think that the big thing that sort of keeps it low is that he's had good results and then the underlying metrics are there and the rest of the bullpen isn't great. So there's not really anybody you could really envision just stealing that closer role from him. So even if he's only getting saves like once or twice a week because that's all his body can handle, then, you know, that's something that you have to deal with. But I I think he's going to be better than most relievers as long as he can stay on the field and avoid, you know, the the pitfalls of being an old guy. I I think another thing too with him is, uh, and you see if you look at it, well, his velocity is up and it is from last year. But at this point, I remember, I remember in April of last year talking about how Kenley Jansen was like t- sitting around 94, 95. And then things kind of, you know, came back down to life as the season progressed. So um, just something to keep in mind. I don't think, you know, it's his cutter right now is averaging 94.7 miles per hour. I don't think that's going to stay. It's probably going to come back down to like 92, 93. So 
see how that plays in and you know pitching in the AL East now too that's um that could be could become an issue but again it's more speculation than like saying he's then at the absolute you know assured um you know meltdown here but it's just something to keep an eye on like you said it's like bubbling more than actually panic mode right now Mm -hmm. yeah we just want to keep everybody prepared absolutely let's wrap this up with one final guy who you drafted inside of the top 10 in terms of reliever jake tell us why or why we shouldn't be worried about ryan helsley if his his, uh, slower starts the season well, I think the big thing for him is that he's been struggling to keep runners off base, whether or not, whether or not that's a product of good or bad luck. It's hard to determine at this point as he's got like a 370 BABIP and, you know, he's he's not having a, a, a he's not doing a great job of, of limiting the free passes as well. So he's not as dominant as he was last year, but, you know, the velocity is still there. He's still getting a pretty solid amount of strikeouts and he does a good job of getting swinging strikes. But I think this sort of has somewhat of the same vibe as Jansen where you're sort of worried about his usage, not really in terms of, oh, he's going to get injured or he's old, but the Cardinals sort of baby him. If he pitches on back-to-back days, he doesn't pitch for the next three days. They really like to avoid pitching on, on back-to-back days. He's not really going to go multiple innings. They, they're they they're very careful with his arm because they don't want him to get injured and they want to have him for the whole year. Additionally, the Cardinals have been sort of bad this year, so it's not like he's had too many save opportunities. And then on top of that, the cherry on top is that Giovanni Gallegos is very solid and it will probably steal saves every once in a while, maybe more than every once in a while. So that sort of limits the ceiling of Helsley in terms of how many saves he can get. And if he's not pitching to the standards that he set last year, it means that he's not like a, a top five guy in terms of ability. And that that definitely takes a lot of the shine off of him. So there's concerns. This is not a guy I would go dropping. I think even if he's you know, the second man in that bullpen or is 50-50 with Gallegos. I think he's still worth the hold in the majority of leagues, maybe not 10 teamers. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the concern is that he might not be a top 10 guy. He might just be, you know, outside of the top 10, which is fine. Like he he dropped out that he dropped out of the top 10 in Rick's most recent rankings, but it's definitely somewhat concerning. And if you have guys in your league that still see him as that top 10 guy, because they see that he's throwing a hundred miles per hour and is the, gets the majority of saves in, in St. Louis, maybe you could find an upgrade in uh, elsewhere in your, your closers role. Yeah, I think, you know, and last, uh, last night we saw, maybe the Cardinals were thinking about making a switch there. They, I, I mean, they, they had Helsley work the eighth when he got the hold and then Gagos came in in the ninth and blew the save and earned a loss. So maybe that was a short, you know, a quick, a quick switch. That's not going to last because of the uh, results, but I, you can tell the Cardinals are in full on panic mode right now, trying anything to whatever changes they need to make to, get things going because right now they're the worst team in the national league. So um, wouldn't be surprised, you know, to see other changes in that bullpen. And, you know, I, I think Helsley is going to be okay. It's just, what's the role going to be? How, how will we out? What's his usage usage going to be? And, you know, definitely needs to bring a walk rate down to get back into that top two, two or three tiers. And, you know, other than that, I, I I think you know the velocity is fine. Still missing bats, not at the rate of last year, but still at a pretty good rate. So concerns very minimal. But again, it's like a little bit of a bubbling, and based on the fact that Gallegos was you know in the closer role last night with Helsley pitching the eighth, does seem feel like the Cardinals are you know willing to make some sort of move like that if they need if if you know whatever it takes to get that team going again speaking of making moves we're going to take another quick break when we get back we're going to dive into a few bullpens that have seemed to make some sort of a closer moves or at the very least are getting very close to it so we'll break down a few more teams a little more and dive in, and take a look at what we're looking forward to over the next week when we get back on in the pen all right, let's quickly go through a couple teams who have changed hands or are in the process of uh, 
you know, becoming more of a committee or trying to make sense of some of these more confusing bullpens. Two of them we had on the list we've kind of talked about is the Yankees and the Rays. We know that Jason Adams is likely to be the guy for the Rays and the Yankees. It's still Clay Holmes, but it's very getting very, very close to Michael King. So just keep an eye on for those guys. But real quick, we'll wrap five through about three or four more bullpens. We'll start off with our old favorite preseason darling, Renato Lopez, after that amazing opening day when we gushed over him. He has not looked the same. We got news that Liam Hendricks is going to be starting a rehab assignment very soon. And we'll probably need, I think it was four to five outings before he is back with the White Sox. So if I'm putting a timetable on, I'd expect probably around the end of this month, we could see Liam Hendricks back with Chicago White Sox. So at this point, what's your read in the White Sox pen? Is it still Renato Lopez? Are they changing hands to somebody else? Or what's going on out there? Uh, Yeah, I'm not... You know, I'm probably not going to chase anyone here and just going to wait until Liam Hendricks comes back. But Keenan Middleton has been really, really good for them. Kind of what we were hoping Reynaldo Lopez would be with the, you know, 42.5% strikeout rate and ERA under three. Um, yeah, he got the save the other night and could be the probably is the favorite for saves for the next, you know, two or three weeks. So. I guess if you're in deeper leagues or you just want to catch up on some saves, he could he could make sense for the next three weeks. But don't go dropping anyone who you know has long term value just to to add a couple you know saves for you know a team like the White Sox who aren't exactly again another team who's struggling to find a way to win games. So there could only be two or three saves left for Middleton here. Yeah, so disappointing how far the mighty have fallen. Oh, so I was feeling so good when Ronaldo was coming out throwing 100 on opening day, and now we're at the point where his ERA is over nine now. I think he gave up a home run today. So yeah, nah, not great. But you know, I we, I think we were on we we were on it. We had the we, we were close, <laughs> but that doesn't count in fantasy. Um, yeah, Keenan Middleton's looked great. I think Rick sort of hit all the points there where it's just don't go crazy right now because you're only going to get a guy for three weeks which is fine that can still be valuable in certain leagues but it's not something to lose your mind about like oh my gosh this guy is going to be the closer and then Hendricks is back and you're like oh shoot I forgot he was coming back um yeah I think Middleton's the guy I think Gregory Santos is probably something somebody to keep an eye on he's got some of the best velocity in all in all of baseball averages over 99 miles per hour on his sinker so that's very appealing uh, definitely has some Bruce Dark Gratterall vibes and that he doesn't strike out a lot of guys, but that's somebody that's somewhat interesting, mostly because of the vol- because of the velocity and because of the fact that this bullpen is not super stacked at this moment. It's sort of all over the place. So yeah, definitely uh Gregory Santos, Keenan Milton. Don't don't go crazy. Yeah, I was just gonna quickly like this bullpen is so disappointing between Ronaldo Lopez, Kendall Graveman, and Aaron Bummer. It's uh yeah. Those three, I thought, would be like a legitimate, like you know, back end group, and all three have been disappointing. So, well, maybe they just need Hendricks back there, and they'll feel yeah. more comfortable not having to worry about who's <laughs> going to get the saves. Could be, could be. Yeah. Or maybe they, they ha- just miss Tony. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> I mean, let's. Yeah. Speak, it's not been a, a good team, so saves been few and far between. And just like we all predicted, it's May fourth was recording this, and Kenyon Milton is who we're recommending if you want to get a save or two before Liam Hendricks gets back. Just uh, exactly what we expected to be going out in Chicago. But we'll stay out in Chicago and we'll head over to you, Jake, your favorite preseason darling, Michael Fulmer. It's been shaky uh, for a little bit lately. That's bullpen we've talked a lot about uh, go throughout the season. So what's your current read out there? Is Fulmer still the guy? Is Boxberger now back in there? What's your read for the Cubs? Yeah, I touched on this at the opening of the show with Brandon Hughes going on the IL that there's so much talent here. They just need to figure out what the heck they're doing. So I don't know. I I think Boxberger got a late inning game today, and I think he gave up a home run, which is not great. And Fulmer is really – I. it's hard to tell if Fulmer was bad throughout the season or if he just had that one bad series against the Dodgers. So that that's something to watch. I think his stuff is definitely improved from previous years, which is nice, but you could say the same about Reynaldo and we all know how that's been going, but there's just so many options in this bullpen that, you know, I, I don't really want to 
chase something until there's a better idea. I think Adbert Azale should be the closer. I think he's probably like closer of the future. He's got strikeout stuff. He's been pitching well, but there's, there's just so many options here. They've been turning to Michael Rucker late in games for some reason. And I think Mark Leiter Jr. is like the best strikeout arm in that bullpen. So they got so many options. There's no like handedness thing that sort of helps you decide there. But yeah, I mean, I dropped Fulmer and all my leagues. So I, I don't even have them anymore just because it was really a headache and he just kept blowing up and they weren't even using him as like a traditional closer either, which was annoying. So I've been stashing Alzale in, in multiple places. So that's who I'm banking on right now, but I really don't have any confidence and I think it's all rooted in how the manager is using this bullpen. I think I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I think I'm buying back in on Michael Fulmer here because Brad Boxberger, it's not going to be Brad Boxberger for long. He is not good. He doesn't need to be rostered pretty much anywhere unless, again, you're desperate for saves for this week or next. Um, So I, I think it's either Fulmer has been pitching really well lately since he kind of lost that role. And then, yeah, like you said, there's, you know, Lighter and Alzale are the other two guys to kind of keep an eye on here. Um, Alzale's had a couple rough patches over the past couple weeks, but still everything still looks pretty good there. And with Lighter, maybe Lighter is the next guy. But again, I kind of think in a weird way, even though he's right handed, he's kind of their best left handed reliever. So I I don't. I don't know what if they would want to take him out of a setup role or a middle relief role. And yeah, it really leaves a bunch of, you know, the rest of that bullpen is good, but nothing that I would consider, you know, I, I think Fulmer might deserve another shot before they turn anywhere else because, you know, it was, it was a rough, what was it? It was like a two game stretch for Fulmer, really maybe a three game stretch where it was just like, you know, it got really bad there for a second, but, yeah, it was really two games. Uh, you know, I, I think that he deserves another chance because Boxberger, he blew a save. Boxberger blew a save today. I, I, it's going to happen more and more often if they keep throwing the ball to him in the ninth. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm back in on Fulmer as someone who is available in a lot of leagues right now. And, you know, the underlying metrics for him aren't terrible. So I'm not, I'm not as concerned as... Um, as I would be con- considering the 6.57 ERA. We'll wrap up the committee updates. We talked about Colorado and where we stood and we were worried about uh, uh, Daniel Bard. So we'll wrap it up with Texas. Bruce Bochy has come out and confirmed that Will Smith is going to be leading the Rangers in save. I take the majority of the save opportunities going forward. So what does that do for you with, obviously that makes Will Smith must add if he's still out there. What does that do for you guys with Jose Leclerc? Are you dropping him? Do you think he'll end up getting this job back, or what do you? What do you? What's your read on uh, on Texas moving forward? Um, Leclerc's been horrible too. It, it's sad to see, but he's something's not right there. He, he, you know, I thought he had, he came back last year, and I, usually it's the first year back from Tommy John where it's it's a bit of a struggle. But he was good last year, the second half, and now it's it's kind of it's just all falling apart for him and his control is a mess so he's definitely worth dropping pretty much anywhere at this point um and i don't necessarily think will smith must add if you're in you know if you're in leagues where every closer's um rostered then sure but i don't think will smith's very good um 4.79 xfip right now 19.5 percent K to walk rates, not great. 20% ground ball rate. I mean, a lot of fly balls. Um, you know, swinging strike rates only at 12%. It's 30% CSW, not, you know, nothing that blows you away. And, you know, it's, yeah, I just, Will Smith does his fastball so hittable. It's, it's, it's going to be when he faces three righties in a row, it's, I, you know, there could be some issues there. Yeah, you hit all the points there. I think it's pretty crazy how early we recognize that Smith might be getting saves there because as soon as he got signed, we were just like, well, Bruce Bochy's the manager and they do have a history. So could see Will Smith being the closer. And I like, I don't know. I definitely had some skepticism about that. But right now, yeah, he's clearly the closer. I think they have enough lefties in there to accommodate that. But yeah, I think you mentioned all the points about how his underlying metrics aren't great. and. 
Honestly, if you really want to stash somebody here, I would say probably Jonathan Hernandez. He's been pitching really well. He was like a, a big hype guy when he was first coming up in the league. And I think he's somebody that could be the closer of the future. Whether or not that future is this year, hard to tell right now, but definitely could be a guy by the second half that's getting the majority of the saves in Texas. It's good name the monitor. I was someone I hadn't really thought about in that bullpen. So we'll keep an eye on that going forward. But, you know, I guess, you know, whilst getting the save opportunities, don't fully get rid of your clerk stat uh, shares as Rick pointed out some good uh, underlying concerns for Will Smith. And, you know, maybe he won't hold on to this job for, for too long. So that's going to do it for that, for this portion. We're going to wrap up with another edition of who's that closer. Um, you know, Jake, we'll take it away. Let's see if we can uh, have a, continue having some success in this game. Yeah, let's go. Good luck, my friends. Uh, hold off on answering until... Uh, or let me know when you know who it is, and then I'll, I'll finish up all the uh, hints so that the listeners can have their opportunity to guess. But this closer was drafted by the Mariners in the 20th round of the 1979 draft out of Texas State University, he did not sign, and he was drafted two more times the next year by the Cubs in the January 1980 draft in the 24th overall in the first round out of that same college, and then he switched colleges and was drafted in the fourth round by the Rangers in the June 1980 draft. This closer, a right-handed pitcher, debuted in September of 1982 and was nicknamed the Terminator. Any ideas? Rick Vaughn. No. <laughs> I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's mean, it's a, I was going to say, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm older than you guys, and this is a little bit, well, you know, out of <laughs> this is grown. <laughs> I mean, 82. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, this this closer pitched for three teams, obviously Texas, who he debuted with, then Toronto, which, a uh, little spoiler, that's what he's most known, that's the team he's most recognized for pitching for, mm. and then he closed out his career in St. Louis, I think, for like two or three years. Um, his accolades include two all-star appearances, a 1992 World Series championship ring, he was a one-time Ale Reliever of the Year award, and he also wow. finished seventh in Rookie of the Year voting in 85, as well as 20th in Ale MVP voting that year, 13th in Ale MVP voting in 87, and 22nd in NL MVP voting in his final year in 1995. Do we know I, who it is? I know. I don't know the name, but I know I can picture. I don't. Uh, I trying to. I can't yeah. get the name. Yeah, he's def- definitely a recognizable yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if I hear it, I'll mm. be like, oh, but yeah, I'm kind of yeah, kind of blanking right now again. All right. Well, last since we got his black ink includes leading Major League Baseball with 62 games finished and the American League with 34 saves in 1987. And he's 26th all time with 311 career saves and he has a 2.67 career ERA. I think he really could have like climbed up that all time saves leaderboard because I think in his final year he had like 37 saves or something. So he, he really uh, abruptly ended, ended his career and he could have been, you know, top top 15 all time. But yeah, pretty crazy. Any Any final guesses before I try to come up with another hint? Uh, I don't have anything. I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, nineties is a this is a tough one for me. I wasn't even. Yeah, wasn't even alive then. So I forgot my baseball history facts, which usually is okay. But this one's yeah. He's in MLB the show. I don't know if that helps at all. Um, I think his signature pitch was a uh, forkball splitter. <sighs> He's six foot five, so he's a tall guy. And uh, he wore number 50. No? I got nothing. Hear it? Yeah. All right. Yeah, spill it. It is Tom Henke. Oh, okay. okay. Yep. Yeah. Know the name. Yeah. Know the name. Is that the guy you were picturing? Let me see. I'm look this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the name, but. Uh, yeah, with the glasses. Yeah. Okay. Not, yep. Yeah. Not a name I've thought of in very recent memory. So, well, you guys need to touch up on your 
historical uh, closers because we're supposed to know this stuff. I need Fair any enough. closer from 1990, like six or seven on is fine. We got we got to mm. we got to keep this thing in. Yeah. And you're saying that because he retired in 95. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. They don't call All right, him the better bison. luck next time. <laughs> they don't call him the bullpen whisperer for for nothing. <laughs> but before we before we wrap up do either of you guys have anything you're working on you want to plug some work i know rick you're always putting out those ranks anything anything else going on on the site you guys want to uh, let our listeners know about nothing new no not really excited for the pitcherless meetup um this friday um but other than that yeah just grinding away with these these uh these ranks yeah, I uh, do the first pitch podcast every weekend. So those are definitely worth the listen. I do reliever ranks articles as well. And I just put out a gift breakdown of Gavin Stone's major league debut as much as it pained me to write about a Dodgers player. It was it was OK because he didn't do too well. So mm. if you're interested in that, go check that out. We also have one for Brandon Fott. And it's uh, it's been a pretty exciting time for young starters making their debuts this past month so that's been uh, uh those have been fun to write yeah it's, it's been fun to watch i have nothing really else more to plug outside of uh, just continue to keep reading the stuff there's a lot of good articles coming out a lot of good bullpen reports ranks daily articles in terms of relievers so definitely take advantage as we touched throughout this uh, episode there's a lot going on in bullpens right now there's a lot of yeah, mixing and matching and swapping in of relievers, so you want to stay up to date because saves have been a little bit more difficult to come by at the beginning of a season. So we want to make sure you're on top of that. But thanks for tuning into this episode of In the Pen. Keep an eye out for these upcoming moves and the upcoming uh, you know, swaps and see how those guys go. But we'll tune in next week. We'll dive into some of those changes and see how they go. So I'm Callen. Joined as always with Rick and Jake. As always, thanks for tuning in to In the Pen. 